This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Good evening, you're listening to Love Sport Radio. Me, Matt Beadle, here with the guys from Besotted. We are back. It's the Brentford Ch- Fan Show with Busy Bee, with Laney and Billy the Bee. How are we, chaps? Very, very good. All good. Brentford are that. back. Brentford are there back. There was a slight delay there, Billy. What's going on? I tell you something. I, I, I'm, I'm just just being back in this studio. I tell you something. It's like it's like I've been walked from somewhere else. Like you know, it's like but being it, in a sauna. To be honest, though, isn't it? That's yes, right. we must we must let listeners know that it is like a sauna in here. The aircon has gone on the blink, so we are sweating buckets. But we're going to get through it, chaps. We're going to be all right. We'll we survive. will be fine. Just like the boys got through the, the friendly against Bournemouth. Not the best result, but performance-wise, hard to say, Matt. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think we think. Uh, what's going on out outside of the pitch might be more significant than what we saw on the pitch. So you think my summary? You think all the transfer speculation is well, is causing a bit of a problem? I think we're going to get into that, aren't we? We later are going to get into it. Yeah, I, th- I think it's inevitable. You know, there's there's so many sort of you call them dark clouds. I mean, it's, it's so much uncertainty over three or four of our you know better players that it's it's going to have an effect. And I, I'm a, I'm a bit old school. I like pre-season friendlies. I think they serve a purpose. But we're getting to the stage now where you you've got to question whether it's worth having a, an, an attendance a paid audience for these for these um, friendlies because there seems to be too much cloak and dagger going on all the serious business seems to happen behind closed doors so you know maybe that's the end of an era we're losing football programs or we're going to lose football friendlies I mean, discuss I mean that is the question I mean listen we're talking about the game I mean, obviously I went to the friendly on, on, on Saturday we're going to talk about that in, in a little bit um, personally um I'm not that fussed about friendlies because uh, it's almost like you go there for other reasons. You go there to meet your mates. You go there to have a little bit of a drink. You go there to have a little peep as to what's going on, and you, you know, and you don't take it as an overall thing. At the end of the day, like the match on Saturday, you take it in little kind of micro views. You know, you look at sort of like force. Oh, he looked quite good. You know, you look at Josh Clark. You know, is he going to play or isn't he going to play? And the thing is, I think you've got to take it relatively the pinch of salt. I think that probably comes from a lot of like you know going to see lots of England friendly games, which you knew me absolutely nothing but you go into these matches and you actually think actually i need to get some value out of it so that your value became hanging out with your mates or kind of sitting down kind of you know seeing what might progress and i think there's a similar type thing which is happening with these friendlies because when you go to a friendly match and then you come out and then somebody who who works up and says you can't really take anything from that game you're thinking oh i've just paid 10 quid 15 quid for that mm. taking me afternoon out yeah, that's that's what I mean, really. You know, you're charging ten pounds for for people to go to a game, and it was more so the Wickham friendly the week week before, where I think a lot of fans. It was a, de- a really decent turnout of Brentford supporters that went down to Adams Park, um, and they were expecting a pretty strong team, and what they got was a B team, and you know that that wasn't conveyed in advance, and a lot of people wouldn't have gone. So, I think there's a lot lot more honesty needs to needs to take place probably next season. If if all the serious um, uh, experimentation and um, and formations, the formation um, experiments are going to happen in closed doors friendlies, then just tell fans, and at least they know that they're going to turn up and watch um, 
an inferior match. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. Every every fan show we do, every time we speak to a fan on the show, there's always a different feeling about pre-season. Some fans love it, and they love, like you said, Billy, just the day out and having a bit of a, uh, a reunion after the summer break. But we've spoken to... Well, the media have spoken to Thomas Frank after that defeat to Bournemouth. Here's what he had to say. I think in general, actually, it was, it was in many ways a fine performance. Um... Where we, I think we match Bournemouth in many, many, many aspects of the of the of the play uh, of the game. Um, I think first half we we were good in possession, uh, building up and dominating on the ball. I think we're good in the, in the, in the in the pressure. Uh, two areas where we need to do better was when, of course, when you want to play and you want to dominate, you make mistakes and you, you you lose the ball sometimes. Also, when you play against aggressive, uh, high-pressing team like Bournemouth, um, so there are two types of mistakes: the simple technical passing mistake we did four or five first half, and then the decision making um, where we, of course, when you're under pressure, and those are the two areas we need to do a little bit better. Um, and the second thing is that in the counters when we are higher up the pitch, we could lose the ball sometimes and will lose the ball. That's where we need to get our head down, sprint back in the recovery and, and take care of those situations. Second half, I think we dominated and I think we just waited for us to, to score the equaliser. And then a little bit out of nothing, um, let's go on a counter. And that, that's a good learning for us. Also the third goal, we need to take care of that better because we know at Griffin Park we will dominate all our opponents uh, and we need to deal with the counter-attacking situation in the game. Uh, so that was a good learning against a good, good side. Good learning against a good side, Billy. Would you endorse that view? Um, yeah, to a certain extent. Um, I mean, the first half was... Um, it was say it's a good learning. It turns out with Bournemouth for quite Bournemouth for a good side, and I think what we saw about them is that they were strong, they were fast. Um, you know what I did get a bit nervous about is that they, you know, they took the ball up and they used to r- they just ran through our midfield at certain times. Um, I said to you, I feel the good the good learning there is in the fact that we. Um, we cope with certain things, but we also did make a few mistakes. And a lot of the mistakes was, again, what we've seen before is, you know, giving the ball away. Um, Bournemouth pressed us really, really hard. So we had to kind of work really hard to get the ball out of defence and gave the ball away a few times. The first goal was uh, Pontus Janssen actually, you know, you know, the ball was, there was a mistake and Bournemouth ended up picking the ball. You know, they caught us on the break very quickly and scored a goal from there. So, yes, that's what I'm trying to say. From pre-season friendlies, you look at that, you think, hmm. Is Pontus Janssen going to be, and are they going to make mistakes like that in our first match, or are they still getting up to speed? And also, are they, they're playing against a side who's very good, a very good Premier League side, and is this a good test for them? You, you don't really know where the barometer lies. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I thought Bournemouth were purposeful, fast, positive and strong. We blooded a few new players, you know, in key areas, uh, the two the two. The, three centre-backs at the back hadn't played together before the spine in the middle and then up, up top where we, we were trying players like McCondes so I think g- given 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 that spine was completely new I thought we did okay for long periods of the game I think we made a, a couple of key mistakes I think some of the players already talked about that themselves and we let Bournemouth in and that, that shows the difference in class really when you've got a premiership team who who take those chances pretty pretty clinically so that was my assessment. I'd agree with that. It, it shows you the evolution of the both both those teams since since Bournemouth left us behind and went up to the Premier League. They've got two of those squads now. So they played a friendly at West Brom on Friday night with one A team, and they sent another A team down to play us on the Saturday. Yeah. So that kind of shows you what we're up against and and how quickly um, the, the, the 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 clubs paths change when you when you when you put 150 million pounds into your 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 your, you know your wage part every year you're going to get big old squads and we're at the stage now we talk about what you know the kind of players that we could lose between now and the the opening game but it shows you what we're up against until you actually get that premier league money your your wings are clipped yeah, the players you could lose, as you mentioned, Laney. Some missing to injury, some missing because they just need to get their head right. Thomas Frank spoke about that after the game too. Uh, Rick uh, Rick just has some small nickels. Uh, they want to, you know, take care of them, rest them, so they're ready for Birmingham. Shouldn't be any problem to be ready for Birmingham. We could have forced them through, but it was not the time. Uh, after a tough pre-season, it's good to rest them now and then. All, all the players go in where we do a, a shorter, sharper week and poof, ready to um, to explode against Birmingham. Neil Mopay is the same, uh, ongoing interest uh, for him. He's training and um, 
that's where it stands. Said uh, did rehab today on, on the pitch, should hopefully join the group uh, on Monday, Monday, Tuesday. So that's good. I mean, he's effectively saying everything that he has to say there, right? There's, no, there's nothing untoward about Ben Rama, there's nothing untoward about Morpé. He's basically saying what he has to say. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say exactly that. It's it's a kind of a very diplomatic mm-hmm. um, injuries kept two players out. Well, in, in, in case of, in inside Ben Rama's case, he is injured, but Ollie Watkins he probably could have played, and more pay. Yeah, he's he's been given some headspace, so it's it's going to be an interesting final week and a bit until the till the transfer deadline slams shut again um i don't think it's a fun time for any brentford fan um, i'm sensing you're a bit downbeat Lainey. No, i wouldn't say downbeat but it's kind of like we've got to get through this we, until our season starts proper we've got we've got saturday to get through i don't think i don't think more pay and probably one of the others will play and until until the transfer deadline closes i think we're kind of playing games and then and only then our season can start properly that's the problem with having a, a transfer deadline that doesn't doesn't Absolutely. finish before the season starts they have to align it next year and to be fair you have to also remember we've been on a massive up and we'll talk about this in a little bit when we talk about our incoming and outgoing transfers but We've been in a massive up. We've had players coming in, players coming in. We paid money for them that we've never played before. We, you know, there's wages that we've never paid before for Brentford. So all the Brentford fans have been up for a good sort of <laughs> three or four weeks. So all of a sudden, it's like we knew this moment was going to come. You cannot go to a transfer window with a player who's scored 28 goals as a new Malpay and think that no one's going to come in for him. Of course it's going to happen. The the big thing is that whether or not somebody's going to get it over the line. And, you know, people say, oh, he's out. Oh, no, I'm not happy. These things happen. But at the end of the day, he may not go. And that is the key thing that we need to remember. Oh, we were trusting earlier on that. I think the difference this season is that we don't have to sell. And Billy was taking an issue with this with me earlier on, saying, well, look, <laughs> if the player's psychology is such that he wants to go, you have to let him go. But we're in a position financially now, which we probably haven't been in before, where we're balancing the books. And we've, we've done some deals already. And we some deals keep on paying back to us from the past. And we, you know, we set our sights pretty high on the values that we think we can get for these key players. And we're going to wait to see what the market does, which creates this uncertainty, this ebb and flow that Laney was talking about in our emotions. Yeah, and I talked about the evolution of the football club and the evolution of the fans and the way we, we, we think and the way we react and our expectations as well. You know, we're not... We're not used to a club being so professionally run now that if they're in a situation where they've got a prize asset, they, they, they're confident to A, hold out for the right price and B, mothball them um, to, until either the window's shut or they get that price. It's, you know, they're, they're confident that that player's going to be match fair. I don't know what they do behind the scenes, but it's, almost, it's going back to Billy's point. Friendlies are so-so. If they're not actually needed for 90 minutes, you know, fitness, then why have them? I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit kind of confused with pre-season. Absolutely. Well, we are led to believe that Neil Morpay is in training. He's training every minute. He's just not appearing in the games. And it's that intensity Resting. Of, of training. Rest, resting. Resting. Yeah, absolutely, Billy. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the correct word. And uh, resting is what Thomas Frank is saying the players need to be doing as the season draws closer. The normal season, uh, I think the first week is, is slightly different. After five weeks where we're, uh, the load was very high, the intensity was very high uh, for a reason to push the players. Now we need to go a little bit down in load. No, go down in load, but intensity extremely sharp. So short, sharp sessions, so they're ready to fly. And, you know, when I cut it short a little bit on Friday, oh, I want to play more. No, 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 please just um, use that for Saturday. So the wanting to play more, do you feel the players themselves are in a very, very good place? Ahead yeah, of they're in a very good place, a very, very good place. Um, there's a very good spirit and very good atmosphere in the group. Um, I think the five new signings, they've done very well to be integrated and settled in at the club. And so, yeah, we're just looking forward to Saturday. Looking forward to Saturday, but that intensity in training, quite understandably, will drop. I think that's right. I think it, it, it will. And uh, I'd, I'd love to actually be a spy, spy on the, in the camp and uh, look at um, the trading ground at Osterley and see what I can discern. But I think that's absolutely right. What do you think, Laney? I reckon they've sweated as much as my ears are currently <laughs> during the pre-season. 
if, if anyone has ever worn these earphones, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to take them off. There's going to be a puddle on the floor. <laughs> um, no, I think the intensity will drop. Um, you know, obviously, it, we we have got um, amazing fitness and conditioning coaches, and the diet will be will be perfect. Um, I, I think that they're they're hopefully up to match fitness, and they're probably going to just crank it down a notch before hopefully the adrenaline kicks in back end of the week and we're ready for Birmingham because Birmingham they've they're they're in for a rough ride this season and we have to make sure that we hit them hard on Saturday um it's they're there for the taking I'm, I, I'm hoping yeah Birmingham coming up on Saturday but before that we are going to be discussing some of those incomings Janssen, Jensen, Norgard, Pinnock and Raya and we've got a good chat with Janssen after this from Adams Park to Wembley, we've got it covered. Love Sport Radio. You're listening to Love Sport and the Brentford Fan Show with the guys from Besotted. Billy the Bee, Laney and Busy Bee. I'm going to enjoy saying that after every, every, every ad, ad break. That's, uh, that's brilliant. Me and Matt Beadle here with you until 9pm this evening. Right, chaps, incoming transfers. Plenty going on at Brentford this summer. Pontus Janssen, Matthias Jensen, Christian Norgard, Ethan Pinnock, David Raya and Joe Adams also coming in from Berry. You guys have been busy, haven't you? Have been busy bees, yes. A um, lot of lot of Scandinavian cousins as well joining us. Um, hence, hence the new T-shirts, Brent Fjord. Brilliant. So we have available on Besotted.com. Besotted.com, yeah. We have. Um, the, I guess the I guess the one that's ruffled the most feathers is Pontus Janssen from um, from Leeds United. Um, an excellent signing. Right? An excellent signing, hopefully at this level. Um, on paper. On paper. Sounds like Love Island there. Yes. Um, yeah, it, yeah, and and it's it's been weird watching Leeds fans turned from dismay to anger to he wasn't any good in the first place and he's a, he's, he's injury prone and he'll, he'll he'll go missing and he's a liability. So we've kind of laughed at that. He's he's broken our wage structure. We understand. Um, he's a player that's got proper credentials. He's a winner. Is a is a Swedish international rather than a Danish international, which we've been we've become used to, but he's a winner as I just said, and that's where we were kind of falling over in defence last year. Someone who can organise, someone who can shout, someone who can lead from the back rather than from the middle, and I think he's proper skipper material. Uh- and it's interesting seeing him play on Saturday as well. And again, like I said, pre-season friendlies, I keep on saying you just take little micro bits and then you look at them. So one of the first things he's looking at is the defence and how Janssen was interacting. Now, we've had captains over the years who, you know, at the end of the day, listen, we're not knocking them. It's all good. You know, we've had Sawyers. We've had um, um, Bidwell. You know, you know, when Bidwell became a captain, I was like, hmm, is he, is he? I'm not quite sure about it. But the club felt that because of the way that he was so professional, they liked that they thought we want everyone to be like him. So they thought he led by example you know eventually Harley Dean became a captain because he was like a real chest beater you know and that was the type of captain that he was um, now interestingly um, Pontus Janssen when you saw him on Saturday the one thing that I did like about him is that he really shouted quite a lot but also he shouted a lot of encouragement for his teammates so if somebody did something he patted them on the back and said that was really good David Ray patted on the back even Pinnock whatever like that and I think that's a really really good sign because sometimes you just don't necessarily see that um, with the main size who's a completely different player and don't say he had to be like that he wasn't necessarily that type of captain and uh, as you were saying to sort of that person that sort of leading from the back type person I'm thinking could be really good especially as we did struggle sometimes when you went away from home you went to teams who were kicking you about the place and you really needed to, to to have somebody to pull you together and get you out of that because it wasn't necessarily your skill that would get you through but you also had to have a little bit of steel and you just think that you know maybe um, the way that he is he might be able to actually just add a little bit of extra oomph to Brentford and uh, as a as a captain, yeah, I mean, I I think that experience at the back we haven't had since Bieland, and uh, that, that sort of calm calmness. This guy's played in front of thirty odd thousand people in the tumult at Ellen Road, uh, you know, and and held held himself as a leader. And we haven't had someone like that at the back as well since Bieland, really. No, and, and exactly, in, you know, a year a year ago, to this you know year ago where we are, we were messing around with rotational captains where we had a different captain for yes. for every game as because we wanted a, you know leaders throughout the pitch. That's been binned, and now we've got like a proper captain's captain. He's yeah. he, he's he's the 
he's an old school captain. So I think we've just learned our lessons from last year. I hope, and we're 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 kind of we, we've got what was glaringly a problem last year sorted. And and, and obviously, what happens for Brentford fans as well? The most interesting thing is the fact that Pontus Janssen signed for Leeds. When we heard that he was coming to Brentford and there's a rumour going around and, you know, besides, we, we do vet a lot of things and we don't put a lot of things out because there's so many rumours flying around and we only start to put things out and we feel it's got a little bit of legs and we heard that and immediately we said, that's an absolute road of nonsense, that is. And then, yeah, did a little bit more research before, actually, maybe it's not. And there's a change in the ethos that is there, obviously, with the club and him also being attracted to us. And I think the one thing that we really wanted to know is why? And I just thought this, why has Pontus Janssen left Leeds where they loved him and he, you know, obviously loved them and come to join Brentford? So maybe we should have a little listen to find out. Maybe we should have a little listen to find out why Pontus Janssen joined Brentford. And I said to my my agent that I wanted to stay in England. And at that time, the most uh, interesting thing I had was, was Brentford. Uh, I talked to Thomas, talked to Rasmus, and people around in the club. Uh, always, I mean, if you follow Championship close, you know that Brentford are a top club. Uh, such a poten- potential, and, uh, and it's a well-run cl- uh, club. Um, so uh, I liked the project, and after talking to Thomas and to Rasmus, I was I was sold. And uh, I really, so far, I am really, really happy that I chose to, to come here. Uh, everything, like I said, has been good so far. Uh, and, uh, Really for, for going into the you mentioned it there, sort of things developed really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe your exit from Leeds? When it when it happened, it was 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 a lot of emotions, of course, because I wasn't prepared for it. But uh, at the end, everything ended well uh, with the president, with, with the sport director, with everyone there, and with the team, of course. Uh, so yeah, I left with with a good relationship to everyone, uh, with the fans, and with with everyone in the club. Uh, like I said, sometimes those things happen in football, and like I said, now I'm I'm just so happy to to have a new adventure, to come here to London, to Brentford, and play here and. Find a new role. I mean, I'm one of the most experienced in this team to help the younger players develop uh, and help them. So, so it's a new, a new thing for me to 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 manage. So, um, but like I said, so far I'm, I'm so happy that I chose to come here. That sounds like a man who's given quite a fair few interviews since he signed for Brentford. Now, chaps, I want to get your thoughts on this because we often hear with players when they come to new clubs and that that classic cliche, this is the club I supported since I was a boy. It was the first shirt that I had. Now, Janssen was very honest, wasn't he, when he signed for Brentford and said, I told my agent that if it wasn't a Premier League club, I wanted him to, to approach Brentford. Now, do you believe that's actually true, that he actually really wanted to come to Brentford and that he thought about Brentford as an exciting prospect in the Championship? I think he got a little bit of insider information. Okay. Um, Pontus, of, as people may or may not know, he fell out with Bielsa at the back end of last season. Um, there was all the, the nonsense that you saw at the Aston Villa game when he tried to <laughs> tried to take out a Doma who was going to score that, that goal. I liked that. I liked the fact that he didn't want him to <laughs> score. We're, yeah. we're not going to defend that. Yeah. <laughs> so there was, there was that, and there was also other things that had gone down over the season. Um what he said is that he said that, you know, I didn't really get on with Bielsa as much just because, you know, the language barrier is there and I like to be close to a manager, you know, and they didn't have that. So in the end, it seemed that Bielsa said, right, I've had enough of him. He's got to go. Now, he went out and he went to train with um, Malmo in Sweden and he supports Malmo. He's a hardcore Malmo fan. So he, when he used to play for Malmo, he'd play for Malmo. He'd be substituted. Then he'd get off and he'd go in the terraces and stand with his mates. So he's Brilliant. like proper hardcore. Anyway, so he goes and trains with Malmo with Uwe Rosler, who, you know, used to be Brentford manager. So Uwe Rosler apparently put a phone call in, whether or not it went from Uwe to us or the other way around, and just said, basically, Brentford, you know, he's hardworking, he's brilliant, he's been training with my team, he's very good. And I think that, obviously, he would have said to him, Brentford, first team I start with, they're lovely, told him with the whole setup, and he, I think he would have done initial sell to him. So I think Uwe Rosler was, to a certain extent, quite instrumental in him thinking, I trust Uwe. I'm training with his team, so I think I'm going to go there. The thing that impressed me most about that clip, it sounded like he was typing it in the background as well at the same <laughs> yes, time. So yeah. He was speaking and dictating it at the same time. So I think, you know, brilliant that you can do that. Uh, can I think, he type and play? That's a question. Yeah. A multi-talented footballer. He's, he, he brings something, as I just said a minute ago, that we, we've been lacking. And, you know, uh, it's, it's quite an untypical Brentford signing, I have to say. Normally we go with youth. Um, and we go with a player that we think that we can make a lot of money on further down the line. Now, you can argue that his age isn't that old. He's not old compared to me. Um, And his value 
you could argue we could still make money on but it's it we've broken the normal kind of algorithm there and again i think sometimes the, you know the club are at a stage now where they're thinking right we we might have to change things ever so slightly i mean i agree with that i mean we, we certainly have a po- we've had a policy of taking talent molding them and selling them on here we have a 28 year old guy who is really the is really quite a mature finished article so i think this is a really interesting departure for us it says that we're serious about this season and we're prepared to just slightly change the mold to get a better result you also talked about the project and you also talked talked about bringing on players on so there's clearly a philosophical meeting of minds i think and the club i know take those values bit quite um quite close to heart when they recruit players he did talk about the project busy b it's like you and billy both know exactly what is coming up in this show <laughs> because here is what pontus jansen had to say about no. the project at brentford <laughs> uh, like i said i know thomas before he's danish so the scandinavian mentality and brian his assistant coach also danish uh, i really love him he's such a nice guy so, uh, and like I said, I'm one of the most experienced players. It's a little bit new role for me to come in here to, to, to help the younger players, to, to, to manage them on the pitch, outside of the pitch, to, to like be a statement to how you, how you should be as a team player and as a person. And like I said, last year with Bielsa and Elise, I think I le- developed a lot, how you have to behave and those things. And like I said, there's still rumors about me and Elise maybe, but like I said, <laughs> in Leeds it's easy to make a, a small thing uh, to a big thing. So, uh, but, but I developed a lot last year. If you ask my team as some the players around who've been on the training on every day at least, I think they would say the same. So, just have to take that into here now and show the younger players how to to be in the gym, work hard, and then on the pitch to be professional and work hard, and then yeah, take care of your body and be prepared for the for the games. Yep, seems like he's got a very sensible head on his shoulders there, Pontus Janssen, also saying that he's going to transfer some of that experience to the young kids. Well, I think that that, that is the most impi- and interesting thing for me. I think, obviously, what's happened is that he's made a phone call. Thomas Frank spoke to him very early on. And, it, and OK, him being Scandinavian as well, they got on like a house on fire. But also, I think that he probably spoke to him and talked to him about certain things that maybe other people didn't do i remember the, the days when remember when um they talk about him being a sort of a troublemaker and all this kind of stuff i remember when when um, david beckham years ago and he you know he got sent off against argentina and he was a particular type of player then a couple of years later they made him captain and it completely transformed him and i think with brentford you need to be a proper man manager and i keep talking about management and managing people and i think that you know thomas frank he's if you've met him he's a really really nice bloke good bloke he understands people and he's obviously just turned around and said listen this is listen this is what we want to do with you men just forget about this sergeant major business and all this kind of stuff you come to brentford we'll make you play your football we pay you a bit of money but also we'll give you a bit more responsibility because we think you can take these players and bring them to another level and because we we want you for that experience and for a player like him you can imagine he's thinking i'm getting some love here and they actually think i've got you know some 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 value over and above sort of kind of kicking people and punching people you know what i'm saying and i think that's that's really good so listen to him he keeps talking about the fact that I'm a, I'm a leader. I can bring the players up. He talks about the project. He's talking about taking it to another level. He's talking about the new stadium. He's talking about all these things. He's actually seeing himself as being part of a new um, generation and being a real integral part of it. And I think that's really, really important. And I think that's very, say, clever. But that's, that's kind of Brentford because we're slightly smaller and family-ish and we can do that. Yeah, absolutely. It does feel like he's got a different relationship already with Thomas Frank to the one that he had with Marco Bielsa. He's also been talking about his ambitions and how he sees next season going. Of course, I'm really ambitious. Uh, like I said, the, the, the picture I've got of it, of, of it is that everyone wants to, wants to work hard here. The players, the staff, and people around the club, from Rasmus from and everyone up, even higher positions. Um, I think that's important. If you work hard every day and give 100% every day, that, that takes you longer. Uh, so that's a good start. But like I said, you have to aim high. I mean, for me, I, I want to go to Premier League with, with Brentford and, and, and aim high and try to win every game that we play. Uh, so. I think that's, you don't, maybe not have to say it outside, but inside, inside the team, it's, it's easy to have that, to, to push yourself to the maximum limit. And uh, yeah, now sitting here in front of the media, I say it, but I mean, I think it's important to, to, to have high ambitions. He wants to aim high, busy B. Important to have those ambitions. Yeah, I mean, I, I was imagining myself in the, in, in the dressing room, clearly an, un, an unrealistic possibility, but listening to him um, saying, I want to aim high, I want to win every game, I want to be in the Premier League. That's the sort of um, ambition we don't hear from Brentford players in those direct terms. And I think this is what we've got here. We've got someone who's going to look those players in the eye um, before the game, at half-time, after the game. And he wants uh, winners around him who feel 
like a winner like him. I don't... And, and that's the other thing I think we, we get with, with Pontus is um, a, a, the, the character, the, the ability to be outspoken sometimes. Hopefully he doesn't, he doesn't sort of overstep the mark, which some Leeds fans have warned us about. But we are, as a club, when we recruit, we do our due diligence, and that includes a personality assessment, really, where all the all the players' personalities are, are quite similar. Not, there's no egos at Brentford. They're they're very rounded. They're very intelligent, um, and they're very deep thinkers. And sometimes, when when you're when you're that minded, you you aren't really a shouter and a baller. Um, Pontus is, and I, and I think we we get we get. We get that missing ingredient, and, I, and I'm really excited that we can go up to away games this season, away from Griffin Park, where we are going to dominate, and we, we can be confident that we, we're going to have a bit more aggression and a bit more oomph about us. Yeah, an influential character in the dressing room, it would appear he is going to be. After this, we're going to be discussing some of the others that have joined him, plus those who may not be at Griffin Park next season. This is Love Sport. You're listening to Love Sport on the Brentford Fan Show with the guys from Besotted, Billy the Bee, Busy Bee and Laney. Right, chaps, we are going to finish up on the incomings this summer. Plenty of new faces, Billy. There are plenty of new faces. And like I said to you, it's, like, it's amazing because people are getting really upset and depressed at the moment now because obviously we've got transfer out potential activity going on. But we have to remember that we've brought in quite a new lot of new faces and the faces that we've replaced I've, um, we, we paid with them with you know we, we, we sold what pretty much two players we sold um, um, last season we sold um, uh, we, we, uh, so Nico Yunaris Nico Yunaris sold Mepham and Chris Mepham in effect it was Chris Mepham and Nico Yunaris and we Woods. sold Ryan Woods. and Ryan Woods to a certain extent we've managed to buy sort of five players a with that same extent. money he was a massive extent yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, 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 we bought five players with that which is good and one of the players that we've bought and we, we're not doing it in any particular order is uh, Jansen and Jansen as well we've got Jansen who has we've signed from Celta Vigo um, a very good player and attacking midfielder he actually used to play for Norgeland as well in Denmark which is the team that um, Mark Hondes used to play for and he was the key man at that club I mean he was one of the best players in the country and he used to set up all the goals for Mark Hondes who was the top scorer in the league as well at the time so great player had a brilliant season went to Celta Vigo didn't do so well he was out for a lot of the season he's injured and that's the reason why we haven't seen him so much because he hasn't played for a lot of last year so we're not throwing him in the deep end we played him uh, very quickly uh, played about 20 minutes maybe 15-20 minutes on Saturday against Bournemouth did a few bits and pieces looked good but he played a wicked ball in which actually paid in force for scoring that goal on Saturday as well which I tell you something if he could be doing that every single week and laying in whatever striker might be playing for us in for a goal we'd be very happy with that but that's that's like I said that's Jensen um, playing for the playing for the beast as well and uh, he, he looks like he could be when he's up to speed a very tidy signing for us yeah I agree 23 years old um, we, we lost Romain Sawyers to WBA as we know Look, just from the 20 minutes that I saw on Saturday, he, he looks like he can pick a pass. He threw a lovely, a lovely flick through for for Force to score. So um, we know there was chaos at Celta Vigo. His stats in in uh, Scandinavia were fantastic. So he's been on the radar for a long time, and um, I think he's going to be very, very exciting for us. We're looking forward to this in terms of the the central or well, the midfield area. Obviously, we're discussing Janssen now. Obviously, Christian Norgard is also coming from Fiorentina. Yeah. It's uh, that that's exciting. In in my lifetime, I, I never never <laughs> really expected us to be buying players from La Liga and uh, Syria. Um, it's it shows you where we do our shopping now, and it shows you we are um, we are we are evolving and we are buying from better and better stores every 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 season now. Um, the players that we were picking up from non-league, they go straight into our B team now, and the players that we are bringing in to replace the ones that go for big bucks are players that have have really already been de- identified by the very best around Europe so you know some of our players have played for Hamburg they've played for Celta Vigo they've played they've they've played for um, uh, as you said um, for Fiorentina they, these these pl- these are clubs that they know how to deal you know they 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 these are these are brilliant traditional clubs and it's we're, we're buying some of their talent from them and part of the fear and I completely understand the fear that's come from fans as well is that in 2015 
when Mark Warburton left and then we brought in a raft of new players I think we probably brought in about 8 or 9 or 10 new players into that side to try and we've got a churn going on because you know Matthew Benham decided that he wanted to have the new Brentford he wanted to have a team which was owned by the new manager and all that kind of stuff we brought these players in and it didn't work for us for a year because it took about a year for those players to actually kind of get into the groove and get into the play Um, the fear that people have is that you know again we've got quite a bit of a churn we've got quite a few new players who are coming into the side this year and I completely understand that and I of course there's that fear to a certain extent but what I'll say is that because we're actually paying more money for these players and they're much more match ready um, than they were before beforehand what we'll buy is we'll buy rough jewels and then we might spend a season or two seasons actually getting up to scratch then we'll sell them for a lot of money but now we're actually spending money on players who are actually match ready people like Ethan Pinnock who we'll talk about in a minute now you know he went from Dulwich Hamlet then he did his you know Forest Green Rovers thing then he's at Barnsley and he's Mm. in the league one player of the year so at the end of the day you know he to a certain extent this guy is going to be a match ready you know Norgard you know he's one of the best players in uh, in, in in Denmark at the time he went to Fiorentina and it didn't work out because they didn't know quite how to play their three million midfielders and he didn't quite fit in so what my I'm very much hoping is that we're bringing these players in because we're spending more money on them because they'll be able to slot in and get up to pitch really soon and and Ethan Pinnock is a player like I said to you I will we have to talk about him central defender um, used to play for Dulwich Hamlet I saw him play on like I said his final game of Dulwich Hamlet when he played in the playoff final up at East Thurrock and went down there and Dulwich Hamlet let in three goals and he was in the centre before half time and they lost the playoff finals and that was his farewell to Dulwich <laughs> now he's playing for us and obviously he's much better than when he was then um, but he looked really really commanding really cool a real cool character and uh, also the other thing is like heading the balls you know when the ball came across the area the couple of corners and bang Pinnock just headed it out I was thinking, oh my god I, I used to remember those days and also at the, at the other end as well did exactly the same thing ball came across and he got up there and headed the ball and it's nice to have that aerial presence which I think that we've been missing yeah we've been missing that that's right and uh, with that aerial presence was six foot five is he a uh, pinnock um we, we had a we had a specimen in concert but um pinnock is 26 years old he's he's done he's done a, a fair few games already he's got a good head on his shoulders he was at both ends winning winning the ball he also looked very calm against premier premiership opposition uh, and I think that's going to stand us in good stead. I think the business that you've done there and the profit that you made on Konza and the fact that Pinnock and Pontus Janssen are going to come in alongside Jean Vier, I think that's a brilliant bit of business that you've done in the summer. It is, and again, it was all done in advance. You know, we, we brought the players in and Konza was there. And to be quite honest, if Konza's there sitting there thinking, right, where do I, where do I sit? Mm-hmm. You know, there's three of them and then there's me. And so we thought, OK, right, you want to go 12 million. Thank you very much. So this is not, you know, having a go at Konza, he's, I'm sure he's going to be a brilliant player, but it's all about timing. And I think that the timing was right for us to take the money in because we can reinvest that in three or four new players. And do we need a fourth brilliant or very good or potentially very good centre-back? No, no, we don't. The other player that we're going to talk about just quickly as well is Raya, the goalkeeper, because obviously we had Bentley who left um, and Bentley didn't have a particularly great season last time. And, and then we've got Raya who's come in, um, the Spanish goalkeeper, who's the Blackburn keeper, which a lot of Blackburn fans are a little bit gutted that he left but also at the same time they did have a little poke at us saying oh he's not 100% there he's a, a little bit dodgy he doesn't command his area all right I mean I don't know if you saw the Raya you know did you it, sa- well, it, it sounds a little bit deja vu from from what I've heard I wasn't there on Saturday but uh, you know Dan Bentley his thoughts were quite evident towards the back end of his time at Brentford and um, you know we, we hope that David Raya is is gonna kind of again iron out some of that so you know Dan Bentley letting five on his on his debut for Bristol City on on Saturday and Raya letting three we we need we need our goalkeepers not to be you know giving away silly goals and you know I I just hope that we have made an improvement there I mean, I don't think Raya, Raya didn't, you know, all the goals that went in, I don't think any of them were his fault. I mean, he, there was, he was at fault for a couple of things when he gave the ball away, but he pulled off a brilliant save. But also the other thing you have to remember is Raya is younger than Bentley. Raya, Bentley was on a one-year contract as well, and if Raya was a brilliant goalkeeper, we wouldn't have bought him for two, three million pounds as well. So the fact is that, you know, you've got a player who is rated by our, our Spanish coach, which is probably a bit of a coincidence as well, that they're, they're both Spanish. Um, we can develop him as well. He's younger and, uh, you know, hopefully we get in the next stage and he's, you know, he's got, we've got, is it a four-year contract? Four-year contract, you know, yeah. So if the worst-case scenario, we've swapped Bentley for a player who might be Bentley, which isn't a bad-case scenario, but potentially he could be even better. Absolutely, and I think you're right in saying what Inyaki Pavon 
on is is a big draw for David Ray. And, and I'm sure at some point we already have seen the, the Twitter videos and the clips that Pavon likes to put out there. Some incredible stuff you see with his training sessions. But moving on to potential outgoings, fellas. And we are led to believe reportedly a bid has come in today from Crystal Palace regarding Ollie Watkins. Cash plus Alexander Sorlot. What do we make of this? The Sawloff, right. Okay, we know, know, I know quite a lot about the Sawloff, actually, because Sawloff plays or played for FC Michelin, which is the club that is owned by Matthew Benham, who, you know, he, 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 he took on that club and he took them out from the doldrums and basically got them to, to win the league and, and the Champions League. Now, last the season before last, Sawloff was actually, uh, he, got, he got signed from Groningen in the summer. He got signed from Groningen and he played for Michelin. He played three months, four months for them. Um, he scored 19 goals in 10 games. No, no, sorry, 10 goals in 19 games for them. So he didn't even play half a, a whole season for them. He played half a season for them. And in the, in the Christmas time, he was being touted around and Crystal Palace came in for him. Now, I remember at the time I was thinking, God, blimey, you know, God, Soloff, you know, Michelin, they won the league a few years beforehand, then they dipped off a little bit, probably, I think, finished second or third, but this was the season where they were back again. Soloff was knocking in goals and they're top of the league and I remember I was asking a few characters that I know from Michelin, I said, you're not going to sell him, are you? Because you're, you're top of the league, you'd be mad if you sell him in January and in the end, basically, they squeezed Palace for loads of money mm. and they sold him and I thought, that's it, your chances are gone. They still won the league anyway. So they sold him, took the £9 million, won the league, went to Palace. For whatever reason, he hasn't worked at Palace there. So that's the scenario. So they, they, all my Palace mates absolutely they're screwing about this guy and they're just like, oh no. So they've heard this news and they think this is like manna from heaven. Now, whether or not this is the case, we, don't, we, you know, we can't say for definite. Ollie Watkins... The fact is that he is a wanted player. Palace have been sniffing around him for ages. This would be a perfect opportunity for them to get him without paying the full Monty for a player that they don't want. Whether or not Brentford want to take him or not, that is a question because maybe they, like, Brentford will know more about Soloff than anybody else in this hot in the world. So that's a different question as well. But you know, the fact is that Ollie Watkins is a wanted player. He didn't play on Saturday, and the chances are, I don't know, Laney will he play on Sat this Saturday? Oh, whether Ollie Watkins plays on Saturday or not, only time will tell. This is in the lap of the gods. But what what I do know is Brentford don't really seem to be an exchanging mark kind of club. I think what we would do would want to sell someone for the maximum we can and go out and buy whoever we want. I don't think this kind of like, oh, have this amount of money and have that player and that player. I, that doesn't seem to be our style. Although it does kind of make sense if you think you've got a, uh, a young um, Scandinavian striker um, who's really well known to uh, the setup at Brentford and you lose Neil Morpé. That that would kind of make sense. So you're lose and there is there is talk that we're in for Valencia from a Polish team. Um, uh, I've forgotten his Christian name actually. So, uh, it, but there's there's talk that we've we've been linked with another wide player. So you could you could kind of see the, these little chess moves all playing out where Morpé went for twenty. We got a striker from Crystal Palace. Watkins went and we replaced him with Valencia. You could that that would kind of make sense, but it seems too obvious for, for that to happen, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. And Solo, obviously, very interesting. Not particularly prolific at Ghent on loan last season either. Will he be at Palace next season? But one man we don't know... Uh, sorry, at, Bre at Brentford next season. This isn't the Crystal Palace fan show. It's the Brentford fan show. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are going to be discussing the elephant in the room, Neil Morpay, after this. It's all in the name, Love Sport Radio. This is the Brentford Fan Show on Love Sport. Roughly 10 minutes or so left for this evening. Fellas, we've got to talk about the elephant in the room. It's Neil Morpé. What's happening? It is the elephant in the room, and uh, we have been living with this for some time. Uh, but now it's a, it's a time of reckoning. We've got till August the 8th. We think he's worth £20 million. Pounds. That's, we think the club have put that number on him. As I said before, budgetary-wise, we think we've got the resolve to hold out for that. Uh, he's the real deal. I've met him. He is a really personable young man. Firm handshake, direct eye contact, very focused. Argentinian parentage as well, whatever that, whatever that might bring to the party. Uh, he is the real deal. And um, if he is going to go, we need, we need full value for him. 
So, I mean, you say 20 million. Is that is that what you think? Is it difficult to put a price on more pay, especially considering the climate at the moment and how much strikers and players in general are going for? Yeah, it is difficult to put a price on that, but he has to be worth something in that region because you know you have to then factor in the cost of replacing him um you want to you want to replace him with as like for like as you can and if we're going to go to a division below us to get a 28 year 28 goal a season striker they're going to be wanting a lot of money for them so the knock on is that you know if we're going to charge a lot we're going to have to pay a lot and he really might derail our season if we do lose him, and there has to be a price put on that as well. And we're not a charity at Brentford. And, and Laney's exactly right. I mean, this season, obviously, we've talked about the signings, comings, and goings. Obviously, there's a step up at Brentford, and there's a thought that we are, inverted commas, going for it. We actually feel that, especially if you look back at last season, the teams that make the playoffs, with all due respect, you know, you had the Derby Counties, you know, Borough almost made it, you know, um, West Brom, you know, who did well, but you know, we're thinking that actually we could have, you know, if we are tight, defence was tighter last season we scored a lot of goals we could have actually been right in there so I think this season the feeling is that we could be right in there if we do the right things now Neil Malpe everyone every single team you can't do it every single team they've got players who've got a value Neil Malpe has got a value but also the other thing is um, we know this for a fact Brentford don't want to sell Malpe especially not now we're in a situation where we're going into another season where we're doing really well and they'll want, to, they'll, they'll want him to be part of that because we, he's a known value and he scores goals. Um, even if we get 20 million, 25 million for him, yes, we'll have to reinvest that. It's hard to get a player who can score 28 goals a season. So it's much easier for us, especially this season, to go in with someone like Neil Malpe. So we're trying to do what we can do. But at the end of the day, that window closes on the 8th of April, uh, 8th of August. And Malpe is going to go out with his agent and they're going to be going out to see what they can get. And like I said, is that if West Ham came in and offered him 60 grand a week and offered Brentford 30 million, he's going to be gone. But the fact is that teams haven't come in and they haven't put the right offer in. So he's still a Brentford player. And the fact is that when a team comes in and puts an offer, Brentford could sit down and go, right, OK, we can match that or we can give you this offer or we can't do anything about that. But that hasn't happened. So Malpe is still a Brentford player until a team comes in and does something. At the moment, they're nowhere close. I'm, I'm really hoping that we can uh, get closer and closer to the, the transfer deadline and persuade him to, instead of just going for any deal, just to wait until January. Just see if we can buy, it, um, buy, buy a, a transfer window from him so he can start the season, st- score plenty of goals with Brentford still but then look at more offers better offers better clubs clubs that are probably better suited to the way he plays come in so you know obviously he's going to be itching to be earning £60,000 a week who wouldn't but I got a feeling it's better for him for his longevity of his career to wait for the right move but let's say the right move hasn't happened by Saturday and it's Birmingham City at three o'clock and you're Thomas you put him on the starting sheet, don't you? I think you do. Yeah, I, I, I think um, for us to leave him out of um, out of the first game of the season because of some question mark, I, I think he's out of order. If I'm honest with you, I think he's contracted to play for us. I think he's obliged to play for us. I think we've given him yeah. all the space and time he needs during the last few weeks, and I think he owes it to us to to give it 100% on Saturday. Listen, I want to smash Birmingham off the park on Saturday. However. I think that, you know, Birmingham, Malpe goes in against Birmingham, scores a hat-trick, alarm girls will go somewhere, and somebody who is pontificating might stop pontificating, and I'd rather that didn't happen. But that's, we stand a chance of that happening anyway, we Bill. Do. And if it, if it puts more money on his, on, on you know, we, we, it, ultimately we can't, we can't hold on to him forever, no matter what people throw at us. There's only a handful of clubs in the world that can do that. And that, that money, £20 million to Brentford, is, is, is colossal. I, ca- I can't even think of one player that's gone for more than that in the second tier. I mean, there probably are. He's probably, probably shouting at the... The, the radio now going oh what about so and so but it's very few it's only less than a handful ever is he that good he's good 
I'm not sure he's I'm not sure he's world class. And just quickly, and the other player we just quickly talked uh, side Ben Rama. Listen, he's he, they say he's injured, but he was at the family day on Sunday, so at, he turned up for the family day. The other two players didn't. So I think that side Ben Rama. Mm, read into that what you want to. Maybe side Ben Rama might be with Brentford for uh, for the long for, for, for a, few, a little bit longer. He than was we at think. the family day. That is what's important. But of course, <laughs> slipping into dangerous territory. Not long to go with the transfer deadline. That's 45 goals and 28 assists amongst Watkins, Ben Rama and more pace. So if they do go, it needs to be a quick replacement. Of course, not long to go till the start of the season, fellas, as well. Before we go, we've got about two minutes left. Quick expectations ahead of the new campaign. OK, Brent predictions. Um, on Besotted.com, if you check it out, there's an article where all the Brentford fans and bloggers and stuff have put their predictions out there as to what they're going to do. And everyone's really, really enthusiastic. Um, uh, they put Between sort of second and sort of 11th place, I think it is. I actually put them down to be fifth place. Um, and that's because I'm looking at last season what we did and I think that potentially with a tighter defence we could be better with the current squad exactly without any staff going out the door I think we could finish anywhere between top and sixth with the loss of uh, Watkins and Morpay probably I, I think we'd struggle to get the playoffs probably but I, I don't I don't think we I don't think we're going to end up starting with, with without any of those three yeah, on a similar view, I think, given what we have today, playing for the club, it's got to be six or above. And just quickly, who's going to win the playoffs? I'm going to, so who's going to win the league? Ooh, um, you know, I'm not, I, 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 we, were, we were talking about this earlier on in the uh, pre-production studio that might be mean, a pub. You mean the pub, um, the, uh, the, you. the white heart uh, around the corner, over, you mean? Over a pint of hophead. Uh, we, got, we were going to say the F word, <laughs> or were we? Yeah, Did we're we, not, we we're not going to say the F word. No, none of us are going to say Fulham. <laughs> no. No. Us. No. No, yeah, so we're confident. Brentford to win the league next season, that's what we're saying? Yeah. Yeah, anything uh, but Fulham. Uh, 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 yeah. Uh, the F word is possible, but, you know, <laughs> but we can't actually mention the F word. Um, who's going to get relegated? Oh, QPR, uh, QPR, absolutely. Yeah, QPR, Cholton, maybe. I said Wigan. Did you really? Yeah, That's yeah, I said Wigan. Shout. You know, Wigan as well. And who's going to do worse than people think? Derby. QPR. I think Derby County. I think any team that sells its stadium and doesn't go up, I think they're getting all sorts of trouble. And also Frank Lampard's gone. So I think it's Derby County. It's all over for. Who's for Derby, Derby is it now? That's a good question. Cocku's Derby. Cocku's Derby. Derby. Yeah. Well, there we go. You heard it here Chelsea now, is it? first, chaps. QPR to go down and Derby not to do very well. Fellas, thoroughly enjoyed this hour. Great show. We'll be back same time, 8 p.m. on Monday next week. Sweating. Yes. Love sport. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.